This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Well, in the business world, we are always looking for the next great idea, the next big thing. But the assertion by some that one of the great qualities necessary in the future is great storytelling. And that ability will grow a company's brand as well as attract new talent as well. Carmine Gallo tells this story in his new book, The Storyteller's Secret, from TED speakers to business legends, why some ideas catch on and others don't. Published by St. Martin's Press, and he joins us right now. Carmine, welcome. Great to have you on the show. Oh, thanks for inviting me. It's a great audience for it. It, 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 They know that everything starts with selling an idea or a product, and that all comes down to stories. Exactly. So what was it that that got you started on on trying to figure out this path? There had to be some kind of little, little bug that got you. Well, there was a a number of bugs. I've been studying communication for 25 years, and I was a journalist. I was a CNN journalist for quite a while, and Mm -hmm. today I still write for Forbes and Entrepreneur and a bunch of other outlets, of course. Um, And and I've appeared at Wharton and and Stanford and other business places as well. And what I keep hearing over the last few years especially is uh, this lament that many business students and many business professionals cannot communicate as effectively as they they should be. But when I dig down, what does that mean to be a better communicator? The word storytelling seems to be coming up time and time again. So I wrote the storyteller your secret not because it's something that I thought was important. It's just this is what I heard. Yeah. It's almost like I had to. When a person like Vinod Kosla, billionaire venture capitalist here in Silicon Valley where I, where I live, when he tells me that the biggest problem he sees is that people are fact-telling when they pitch him and they're giving facts and information, he says, that's not enough, Carmine. They have to do storytelling. When Mm. Ben Horowitz, the co-founder of Andreessen Horowitz, another big venture capital firm, tells me the most underrated skill is storytelling. Or when Richard Branson, who I interviewed, said, entrepreneurs who cannot tell a story will never be successful. At some point, Dan... I have to agree that maybe they know something I don't. <laughs> there's a pattern developing here somewhere? <laughs> there's a little pattern developing. Exactly. But, and as you kind of alluded to, when you have so many people really thinking along these lines, it's not that it's really a new concept. Uh, I mean, many of the leaders that, that you talk about that you just listed really believe in this philosophy and believe this as, as a part to success. So where the, the importance of this has to be the fact that Maybe storytelling at some level down the chain is not an important topic? I don't think they just – I think many business professionals today understand that they need to be doing this. They just don't know what it means. Okay. Because, Dan, if you think about it, it is a somewhat esoteric uh, or abstract notion. Right. Storytelling. Storytelling in books storytelling in movies? What does that have to do with my next business pitch? What does that have to do with employee engagement? 
So I think people understand, at least the folks who listen to your show, they get it. They, they've heard of it. They understand that narrative is important to an extent. I'm just not sure they, they know exactly how to do it. Uh, one of the people who I feature in, in the book that you mentioned, The Storyteller's Secret, a whole chapter on Steve Wynn, the great uh, Las Vegas yep. hotel mogul. Yep. And we talk about storytelling in hospitality. Sure, he yeah. said it was only five years ago. Five years ago. Now, here, here's a guy who's made an incredible success in hospitality, but he said he only discovered the secret that has changed his business and his life in the last, ten, in the last five years huh. was storytelling. And what he means by that, and this is something that applies to all of your listeners today, what he means by that is you ha- if you can get all of your employees and your management to begin sharing stories yeah. of great customer experiences and what that means and how to do those better, that that creates a much more emotional resonance yeah. with the people who are going to have to go out and provide that service than just giving them information on what to do or how to do their jobs. Right. And that uh, and that obviously has a uh, has an effect, a positive effect, uh, hopefully on the back end of it, where the the operation and the feeling around the company is a is a much more positive overall, you know, overall operation. Well, at first I thought that would be hard to find empirically. But as I did my research over the last couple of years, it's actually not. There's plenty of empirical evidence to prove what you just said. Uh, we've got two great case examples. Uh, there's many more, but we have two. Uh, Southwest Airlines. Southwest yeah. Airlines is a storytelling culture. So as Herb Kelleher, the founder of Southwest Airlines, had to you know, move out of his position, uh, he was the charismatic leader who started the company, how do they keep his mission and values alive, which is all about taking care of each other and taking care of the customer and the passenger? And so they really created what's called a storytelling culture, where every week the uh, HR teams go out and they take videos of real passengers yeah. who you know who have had uh, who have had a struggle or have uh, maybe almost missed you know a, a, a funeral or a birth or some or life changing event stuff like that but they were able to do it because of Southwest there most of these are heart wrenching stories I've seen sure. the videos yeah. and they send the videos out constantly every week and then they try to solicit more employees to be heroes of their own stories. So it's almost like you're taking employees and turning them into company crusaders. And that's where you see profits going up and productivity higher and higher employee engagement. But it all starts with narrative and storytelling and getting people immersed in that culture. So we've got Southwest, we've got KPMG, we've got Whole Foods, we've got Apple. Many of these companies now win resorts. Many of these companies are examples of storytelling cultures. So and. The interesting part about that is that realistically to kind of push that needle to move that that car down the road, that doesn't cost a lot to to do that. That's people. That's, you know, the investment that the people have in themselves, in their coworkers. You know, that that's the best way sometimes to be able to to make a, a company's message even resound at a higher level with consumers. Dan, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I thought I was losing my mind for a minute because I was I kept thinking to myself. This stuff is free. Right, yeah, yeah. This is free. Forget the perks in the company cafeteria, okay? You know, I mean, people well, don't those, those are Well, no, those are nice, though. Those, <laughs> those are, are nice. nice. 
those are nice, but I'm not going to go to work for free chips in the cafeteria. Right, exactly. Uh, but Ritz-Carlton was one of the first to do this, and they've done an extraordinary job of elevating that customer experience to a gold standard, right? Yeah. They've been doing storytelling forever. And what they did is, and this is what I try to tell other companies to copy, because it's free, every, time, every department meeting in a Ritz-Carlton hotel Every day, every department meets for 15 minutes, mm -hmm. and it's a group meeting. And instead of just going over the day's events, here's what the housekeepers need to know about you know, this floor or whatever, they, they start telling stories. And they ask the question of the employees, is there a great customer experience that you've, that you've been a part of that you can share with the rest of us? And all of the employees, and I was a part of one of these. I, I checked it out. It was really fun. They start sharing stories with one another. And then they start competing for who has better stories. Yeah, and they get yeah. recognized publicly. That was the key. The president of the Ritz-Carlton said the key is you are recognized publicly for being the hero of your customer story. And I remember leaving the Ritz-Carlton after I studied that and saying to myself, wow, that was free. Yeah. That's free. Come on. How do you and how do you replicate that emotional engagement other through other than narrative? You can give perks all you want. That's fine. Yeah. But it's very difficult to replicate that that deep emotional connection with the brand. But the interesting thing is that when you think of storytelling, just in general, not in, in strictly this business sense, you know that's that's something that is for most families. That that's that's something that's passed down. You know, your mom or your dad obviously are going to tell you un, you know all kinds of stories over the course of the early parts of your lives about family members, about your their jobs, whatever it might be. It, you would think it would be a natural thing for people to just have within them, and, and it I seems think, I, it I, seems like it doesn't happen all the time. You know, it's wonderful because I think that storytelling, like you said, is so natural to us, especially in uh, in families. That's the way you raise courageous kids, in my opinion, is, is telling stories, of epic stories of heroes. I have several examples of people like Malala Yousafzai, the Nobel Prize winner, the 18-year-old prize winner, yeah, yeah. Uh, who, who talks specifically in her documentary and in her books about how she got the courage to face her enemies only after spending her entire youth listening to mythical stories of heroes that yeah. her father taught her. So we know that storytelling raises people's courage. Yeah. I think it's just a little more abstract when you begin saying, well, wait a minute, how, how does that apply to business? Yeah. And then also, Dan, let's not forget that a lot of people don't want to be vulnerable. Uh, they don't want to be too transparent. They feel sure. like they're being vulnerable. So when it comes to individual storytelling, one of my biggest suggestions, and this is a hard hurdle for people to get across, is if you have had times of struggle and triumph over adversity in your life, yeah. the best thing to do if you really want to engage people is to share those stories. And, and that's a great one, and it transitions me into one of the people I want you, you talk about that I wanted to bring up uh, is Howard Schultz uh, yeah. uh, of Starbucks yeah. and how the struggles that his dad had when Howard was younger really play into a good portion of the culture at Starbucks right now. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Howard Schultz uh, has said that people who come from uninspiring origins, here, here's the full quote, uh, because we have to get the quote right, it's beautiful. Howard Schultz of Starbucks, he said, the more uninspiring your origins, the more likely you are to use your imagination and invent worlds 
where mm-hmm. everything seems possible. Yeah. So here's yeah. the guy who embraces what I call the backstory. That's what movie makers call it, right? The backstory. You cannot, uh, you cannot feel connected to a particular leader or an initiative unless you understand the backstory. That's why one third, the first third of all great commercially successful movies, introduce you to the characters. If you don't like the characters and you don't get to know the characters, you don't care what happens to them. Backstory is very important. Howard Schultz has a great backstory, and he shares it very openly. So he talks about the day that his father was injured at work, and they were living in the projects in the Bronx, and they did not have health insurance, and money was tight, and it scarred the young man. He was about 16, and he said, if I am ever in a position to help people in my life, that's never going to happen to them. And that is the why you folks have talked about this endlessly, right? The importance of the why behind your initiative. Sure, yeah. That story underpins the why behind full-time health benefits for part-time workers. That underpins the why he wants to uh, pay for college education for his employees, right? Or hire vets. Sometimes, Dan, I'm sure you folks have talked about this too, sometimes he pushes the envelope where it gets him into a little backlash on social media. Sure. Like when he wanted to talk about race in the morning. Yeah. That didn't go over too well. Yep. But what I celebrate about him is that he is willing to be open and transparent and and, um, authentic and to use his backstory to make business a better place. Well, and it it also goes to another little piece uh, that that I'm hearing kind of develop is the fact that he also recognizes that – the value in his employees is so much more f- over a length of time, especially in that type of industry where you could see a lot of turnover real fast. Yeah. That if you are, are invested in the people that work with you with your company, that in the end they will be successful, whether that's with you or if they do get a better offer, and your company will be successful. He has a wonderful quote, too, that reminds me of what you just said. Treat employees benevolently, by treating employees benevolently, should not be viewed as an added cost that cuts into profits, right, but right. as an energizer that grows your enterprise. Richard Branson is another one of the people that you talk about in the book. Love uh, Richard Branson. T- talk a little bit about how he kind of fits into this realm. I think he's the real deal. Yeah. Richard, yeah, I've spent some time with him. I've interviewed him twice. I've actually been able to spend part of a day with him. He's the real deal. You know, what you see is what you get. Mm. And, I, and I love that about people. You know, I just love that about authentic leadership. And he, he's, he's very inspiring. And he carries his mobile phone around with him. And he, <laughs> he tweets. He's the tweet. You know, it, it's not delegated to a whole team of people. It's him. So it's, it's authentic. It's a natural voice, and he loves to have fun, as you know. And he says, what, what's business if you can't have fun? And, but, and, but the interesting part about with him is, is that he does all this in, in the scope of, of working in an industry, and especially with what he is trying to do now in the aerospace field, where he is trying to take that philosophy and, and literally take it out of this world. Yeah, that's exactly right. And he's dealing with some very complex stuff and big visions, but for him, storytelling is everything. Now, storytelling, these are direct quotes from Richard Branson. Storytelling, he said, can be used to drive change. It's the best way we have of coming up with new ideas. So Richard Branson, this is interesting, is doing the very same thing 
that humans began doing 400,000 years ago. And 400,000 years ago, according to anthropologists, we started gathering around a campfire to share stories. On Necker Island, where Branson lives, he commissioned a local artist to Mm -hmm. build this big, beautiful fire pit. And that's where he gathers his team. Storytelling, he says, is the best way to come up with new ideas. And in, in his own storytelling, there's a lot we can learn about him, because he gets pitched for ideas all the time. And he gives, he's given me a few tips along the years. One, you have to keep your language simple. He's uh, and acknowledged uh, that he has dyslexia. And he said, growing up having dyslexia, I had to keep things very simple, mm-hmm. very short, very concise. He said, but it actually helped me to be a more succinct and clear speaker. So he's looking at that dyslexia as an advantage, as many great leaders do, don't they, Dan? They, yeah. they look at some of their past and their, uh, their experiences as advantages. Uh, so he, he wants things to be very simple, very clean. When he gets pitched, he said, it better not be more than 10 minutes. If you've got a PowerPoint <laughs> that lasts more than 10 minutes, you're going to lose me. Get, to, get right to it. Don't mess around. Yeah, so very, very simple, very uh, e- easy to understand simple words. Oh, and and here was his best quote for me, and I've actually used this uh, for many of my clients. Richard Branson said, Carmine, if your idea cannot fit on the back of an envelope, it's rubbish. (laughs) That's that's a good one. Yeah, because he was saying, if you don't understand your idea well enough to encapsulate it clearly um, on something as simple as the back of a small napkin, outline it at least, um, you haven't thought through it clearly enough. And we know that, don't we? We know, yeah. as Steve Jobs said, simple is harder than complex. It sounds like, though, that, that obviously the leaders that, that you have talked about in this book have have reached you know varying levels of success uh, over the course of their careers. Those companies obviously have an advantage over the leaders, the companies with leaders that don't kind of subscribe to this or or don't have it in them. Uh, how difficult is it though for those leaders that are kind of behind the eight ball a little bit to change their to change their path and to really tap into that storytelling aspect that I think do we agree that everybody has it. It's just being able to pull it out. It's in our DNA. That's the that's the beauty. Yeah, power and the power of story. Right, and I won't go go too far into the science, but I have many pages in the beginning of how storytelling is hardwired in our DNA. Yeah, we process information through story. We want to to hear information through story, through with heroes and villains and characters and a hero to rally around. It's the way the world, our brain works. We're wired that way. Uh, so the best thing you can do, especially to engage your team and build brands and pitch products and sell products, is to uh, wrap those ideas in narrative. I believe that ideas that catch on are wrapped in some sort of narrative. Yeah, it's not the easiest thing to turn around a larger company, yeah. but I've seen it done. And I've seen it done in a couple of famous areas. One was KPMG. KPMG hmm. actually came up with a pretty extensive study not too long ago. Uh, KPMG, big, you know, one of the big four accounting firms, now into consulting, they found that morale was declining somewhat, that it was you know, productivity. You know, they were having all of those issues, especially around young people that, that many global companies are having these days. Mm-hmm. And they, here's where it saves us 
all a lot of work, Dan. They did an extensive study, and they studied thousands of managers, and they sent out thousands of studies and surveys. And they came to the conclusion that people, that young people especially, wanted to be part of a bigger mission, mm-hmm. a purpose. Okay, we, we're starting to understand that. That's fine. Now, how, how do you teach them about the purpose of your company? Through storytelling. Yeah, yeah. So they literally took their managers and turned them, tra- helped transform them all into storytellers so that the managers were constantly telling stories of the history of KPMG, how KPMG has shaped the world, how they continue to do to shape industries and lives and, do, and make the world a better place. And they said as, the story, as they got immersed in the storytelling culture, uh, and this is a study that is online, so that they've broken it down. They're showing you empirically mm-hmm. how profits began to soar, um, engagement scores went up substantially, turnover was reduced substantially. You know, so on all of those empirical models that we look at, storytelling helped ch- transform that company in a big way. Now, even I, I'm a storytelling guy, and I can express some skepticism. Well, was, was, was that really the reason? Yeah. Uh, and yet, according to KPMG, it certainly was. So I think that we are, we are seeing companies that get it. It does have to be pushed from the top, yeah. because the top leaders are, need to be the primary, the chief storytelling sure. officers of the brand. Yeah. So if you don't get it from the top, then there's very little chance of transforming yourself into a storytelling culture. But it, it is happening on big companies. You can look this up publicly. SAP hired, uh, you know, the yep. global tech giant. Uh, Bill McDermott. Bill McDermott hired Julie Rome in her mar- in the marketing department, not yep. as a marketer, yep. as the chief storytelling officer. Yep. Look her up. That's her title, chief storytelling officer. That's a, that's a great title. I'll give you yep. another one. And and just thinking about it through you know the course of talking to you, there are my background in professional baseball years ago, uh, especially in the minor leagues. When you're dealing with consumers that are coming to your venue. 15, 20 times a, a, a year out of, you know, 80 games, uh, you want them to have a great experience and you want to be able to pass on those great experiences to the higher-ups within the within the organization so they understand what works, what don't, what doesn't work, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, an, that's another, just from my personal experience, I, I did that a lot when I was working with the minor league baseball team in Trenton. Those stories really built the atmosphere and the success of the company. That's interesting. Those are the backstories. That's yep. called backstory. Yep. Yeah. That, that, that's why when you watch uh, Mark Burnett is in my book. Mark, sure. Mark yep. Burnett, the big uh, television producer. Mr. Reality uh, TV. Mr. Reality TV. He's got a fascinating story. It's really inspiring. You, you know, he came here from England with $200 in his pocket. Yep. Yep. And his first job was a nanny, but the second, his first entrepreneurial job was selling T-shirts on Venice Beach. And he said that's when he learned the, the art of pitching. And he said everything comes down to pitching an idea or pitching a product. He goes, I'm still pitching, Carmine. I'm just pitching for bigger stakes now. But I'm, all, I'm still pitching and refining my story. It's all about refining the pitch. The pitch doesn't always work. He walked into with Survivor to a number of different networks that turned him down. Yeah. And he said, okay, that pitch didn't work. 
He went back to his friends, went back to his partners, and said, let's revise the story. But it still always came down to revising the story behind the product before you pitch it. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.